This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. I was listening to Rogue Runners, an actual play podcast that adapts your favorite stories into RPGs. An RPG does not mean rocket-propelled grenade. I learned that the hard way. Ha <laughs> ha, that was one crazy internship. Anyway, it's role-playing games. Of course. And Rogue Runners does it right. Fans of mythology, fantasy, and improv comedy will love it. I know I do. I'm a bit of a mythomaniac myself. I had a crush on Ninkor during my Mesopotamian phase. We've all been there. But I want you to be here, because we're going to share a bit of Rogue Runners with you right now. So thanks to Rogue Runners for their support. And now, get a little treat with this. A product of the Whisper Forge. Sound and story brought to life. You're listening to a parody that is not affiliated with or endorsed by Supergiant Games in any way. We're just big ol' nerds making improv fanfiction. Rogue Runners is rated R for pretty much everything you can find in Greek mythology. Violence, assault, self-harm, offensive language, insensitive humor, and intense themes. We encourage everyone to check out our show notes and transcripts on our website at whisperforge.org. Are you ready to run? Then welcome to Volume 1 in the Blood. are told of Hades, and fewer tales still are told of his son Zagreus, who now rules the underworld in his absent father's stead. And perhaps no tales at all are told of the ensuing odyssey, of small and wretched shades fighting for one more chance at life. I intend to tell you such a tale. So, for some reason, Arete, you have just heard this ominous voice narrating above your head as you're finishing a job. You wonder for a moment if anyone else can hear it. And before you can spend too long ruminating on that, you make sure you wrap up what you started here. You look around to check if anyone of the other shades in Tartarus can see you, but they seem to just be milling around, minding their own business. And so, you lightly touch a circular glyph on the ground, and whoosh! A black, starry night bursts from it. The abyss twists and rides like a flame from the ground. 
from your belongings, you draw a pouch. Something inside the pouch squirms unsettlingly. You try not to think too hard about it and drop it into the starry abyss peeking at you through the hole. From within, you hear a voice faintly call out to you. Or is it many voices? Perhaps a thousand? A voice or voices older than all creation. I feel compelled, though certainly no force compels me, to acknowledge, Grave Marker, that my calculations did not account for such swift and capable execution. I remain grateful that you have brought me what I have asked, though you were under no obligation to do so. I suspect, with your newly granted duties in the underworld, you will have many more opportunities to draw my interest. Should your aims continue to align with mine, you are, of course, as always, free to pursue them. You understand what the voice is telling you about. Today is the day you may finally undertake the escape attempt. Once, this endeavor was the sole responsibility of Lord Zagreus, who made the escape attempt out of the underworld hundreds, perhaps thousands of times. Now, with his father and the lord of the House of Hades mysteriously absent, Lord Zagreus has made this endeavor available to you and a select few entities in the underworld. The voice speaks up again. I recall that the prince of your house attempted this feat many times, and through it I may or may not have come to know him quite well. I am curious. Perhaps in your time as a shade of the underworld prior to this... promotion, if you were one of the many shades he cut down in his path, you may respond. Unfortunately, I know the man all too well. The hole to the abyss then slams shut. Anastasia, your heart swells with emotion as you and your teacher finish the last few notes of an epic ballad that rings throughout the House of Hades. Orpheus puts his lyre to rest, and his deep, sunken eyes still show great pride in you. Well, I believe that is about all I can teach you. At least, before you are summoned to your heroic calling today, I am sure you know that the opportunity Lord Zagreus has offered you is nothing short of unprecedented. Then again, he has always been known to bend and break the rules out of kindness more than anything else. Another chance at life. I once risked everything I had to afford that to someone I love. I paid a dear price for it. Tell me, are you ready to walk in the flame-flecked footsteps of the Prince of the Underworld? I think I'm as ready as I can be, Orpheus. Orpheus nods and says, Of course. I believe it is almost time to begin your very first escape attempt. I hope you bring back many stories for us to turn into song together, my student. I assure you that I will. Clay! The meeting of steel and stone echoes throughout the House of Hades. You don't know if you can believe it, Alexander, but this may be the very first time that you've caught your mentor just slightly out of breath. Before you stands one of the greatest heroes of legend, Achilles, and he pants slightly as he mounts his javelin back on the wall. It's possible you've even extracted a bead of sweat from his brow. Well done, lad. You're every bit the student of combat that Lord Zagreus was when he started to escape. To think you've been little but a target for combat practice is a shade once. I am glad that you once struck back. Were it not for that, we'd never have noticed your promise. You've gotten so strong since then. Perhaps you really are my kin. He smiles. Will you remember everything I've taught you? But of course. He takes a deep breath. Mind your stance. Eye on your flank. Always keep your back to a wall. Make me proud out there. Never mind. You already have. In the lounge of the House of Hades, a bell tolls. 
Behind the bar, Rolf, you finish wiping down a glass on what may be your very last bartending shift for all eternity. Today begins your escape attempt. You've been waiting for this day for ages, and everyone in the lounge knows, because they go quiet. Across from you, the housebroker's formless body still shifts into a smile as it lets out a pleased bellow. It seems to want to wish you good luck. Thank you. Um, And to all of you here, thank you for your company and and patronage uh, over, well, not really quite sure how long it's been, but... It's always a pleasure getting to come together with all of you. I hope to see you all carry on doing the wonderful things that you do. The other figures in the lounge raise their glass to you or tap them on the table and then turn their attentions back to their drinks. But it's clear the air is rare with anticipation. Could the wretched shades really succeed where Lord Zagreus could not? You all find yourselves in the courtyard of the House of Hades. Tall statues line the perimeter of this grand room, and along the edges of the wall in one corner you find large pedestals, upon which hover dark shadows of ancient weapons. To your far left, you can see a short walkway leading to a ledge looking out over all of Tartarus and its ominous green glow, its endless chambers turning inward and outward upon itself, well, endlessly. You think to yourself, today's the day. I'm going to get out of here. To your far right is a window leading out of the House of Hades, though you could consider it more of a portal, as you can't quite make out the outside, but you know it's there. At the moment, the portal seems to be just a mass of thick gray smoke, but at the moment you may begin, you know the smoke will change to pink and become passable. That's when you escape. You have a little time to kill before then. Elsewhere in the courtyard stand a few other noticeable figures, about a dozen or so escapers in all, readying their weapons, talking excitedly with each other, doing stretches and practicing battle stances. Your Olympiad convenes. It's the first time you're seeing each other today. What do you all do? Good morning. Hi, Rolf. How are you doing, Annie? Oh, Annie, I I brought you something. You didn't have to do that. And Rolf is going to reach into his pack, I suppose, and pulls out some chocolate milk. (gasps) Rolf, thank you. You really didn't have to do that. Oh, no, it's it's nothing at all. And don't think I forgot you already. I I brought your favorite, the... French 79. It's 75, you old fool. And I snatch the drink from his hand, and I kind of stand off to the side and down it in one shot. Glad to see you're as mentally sharp as ever, Uh, Alexander. And I bow my head toward him. (laughs) And he bows in respect. I I, I can run and and grab you another drink if if you want anything, but, you know... Uh, Alcohol would cloud the judgment, but... um, I couldn't resist. So if you could, yes, I would. Oh, oh I would yes, I'll, I'll go. Uh, in the meantime, water? Any, anyone? <laughs> sure, thanks, Rolf. Hydrate or dihydrate, bitch. Sure, I'll take a, I'll take a swig of that, please. And, and I toss a little water bottle. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll be right back. <laughs> and Rolf runs to the bar <laughs> to get uh, Alexander a drink. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can, you can run, you can run back to the bar. Everyone in the lounge, kind of, their heads snap back to you, thinking. <gasps> Oh my god, he died already. Um, so, yeah, you, you run back behind the bar. Uh, what are you doing? I see the disappointment in your faces, everyone. I know, I'm sorry. Forgetful Rolf as ever. I should have written it down. I Really terribly forgetful of me to forget to get Alexander a drink. Anyways, um, oh, 
What does Alexander like? Ah. I'll be right back, everyone. One second. And I run back to Alexander. <laughs> Alex, really quick. Um, what do you like to drink? Uh, right. Uh, a simple wine would be enough. Yes. Oh, okay. I'll, the finest wine we have. And runs back behind the bar. Grabs a wine. Uh, uh, just like one cup of wine. And then runs back with it. As fast as his uh, 64-year-old legs can carry him. Thankfully, in D&D, his 64-year-old legs can carry him the same speed as anyone else. 30 feet. <laughs> Probably. Uh, well, here you are. Uh, excellent, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. Is it a bottle or a, a cup? It's, it's one cup. <laughs> Moderation, my friend. Yeah. Alex downs the whole thing and throws the cup. <laughs> Rolf picks it up and tucks it away neatly in a bag. Okay, phew. <laughs> Unless anyone in the group has any requests... I think Rolf will go and just chat with some of the other people in the courtyard. I would like to see the shadow weapon. I'll probably go talk as well to another group. Are you going with Rolf? Yeah. Oh, come along, Annie, darling. Okay. And I I don't think I'll talk, but, like, I will accompany Annie and um, Rolf. Okay, very cool. So, Alexander, at the moment, you see uh, very, very large shadowy weapons hovering in front of you. Uh, you see the shadow of a large sword, like a long sword that is that could be like held in one hand. On another pedestal, you see essentially a short sword. It seems to be shifting in form, so it could be a short sword or it could be a dagger. It seems like that could like potentially like vary based on the user, like which one it was. And then on another pedestal, you see a great axe like a massive, massive great axe, like even taller than you are. And it kind of seems to just like rotate very slowly on its axis. You also see a rapier that seems to be kind of just like standing on an invisible point and twirling in the air. You see a beautiful quarterstaff, like an extremely ornate, well, all, you can't really make out the colors, but you could just make out like these, this like really ornate metallic, um, like filigree detailing on a quarterstaff that's also rotating on another pedestal. And and those are the weapons you see in front of you right now. And of course, I have what's already equipped on my person as well. Yes. I see no need for these. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll go back. Well, I'll follow the group to hang in the back. So I'll say the time it takes for you to examine and look at the weapons and decide you want nothing to do with them, I'll say is quick <laughs> enough that you're able to join up with the rest of the group before you miss anything, essentially. Cool. So, um... You walk up to one of the other Olympiads, and this Olympiad is actually standing near the Great Axe pedestal. And they are whooping and cheering and clapping. The th three of them are very, very excited. Uh, so I, I think here's how we can resolve this. When I ask for a check, everybody can roll history, and then whichever is the highest result, I'll say, you know, that person knows who this person is. So uh, you find a man in this Olympiad. He is, like, absolute, like, picture of, like, toxic masculinity. He is super buff he's blonde he's like got like his hair in this like fuckboy haircut with like a really really high part on the skull he is wearing like full like plate armor and he he's kind of just going like whoa hell yeah all right he's like high-fiving people in his olympiad when he's not when he has run out of people to high-five he kind of just like turns to like one of the weapons and just like Pats the air. <laughs> that is the person you see who stands out the most. Uh, roll a group history check. So 19. I rolled a natural 20. 23. 11. Those of you who rolled 18 or better 
all recognize this as a man known as Ajax the Lesser. He was known as a hero in many, many famous Greek battles. When it comes to the House of Hades, you understand him to be one of the most physically proficient combatants out there. One of the people that he high fives gets immediately staggered back because he's considerably smaller. Uh, You see a man of a much smaller stature and a much more slight frame. He has this shock of bright red hair that like furls out in like these like long curls that go upward. Uh, He's got these big green eyes and he looks very easily impressionable and innocent. He's got this long flowing uh, green cloak uh, wrapped around him and he wields a bow that is currently mounted on his shoulder. He's not quite the same very large personality as Ajax the Lesser. Uh, So this is, it'll be a little bit harder to tell who he is, though one of the things that sticks out to you is that this person is like the picture of physical attractiveness. Like there is something unnaturally beautiful about this person. Roll history if you want to know who that is 16 16 here as well 22 11 anastasia or annie you recognize this as adonis and <laughs> what what you yeah and what you know about him is that he was widely in life considered to be the most beautiful man on the planet even gods and goddesses used to fight over his affections and intentions so to protect him almost it was um, a relief to have him sent to the underworld where he could be you know watched over in a place where basically most gods can't normally reach you also happen to know with that high of a role that he was raised by uh, persephone so he's a, like a distant brother to lord zagreus also cheering and whooping much like ajax the lesser is a tall very buff woman. Uh, I would describe her as almost like Zarya-like, if we're talking like Overwatch-esque. She is a tall monk. You can clearly tell she's a monk because she is like, she is toned everywhere. She's got these big boxers wraps around her fists. She wears kind of like very simple, plain clothing, and she has this um, long silver hair that she has tied up in a neat bun behind her. And she's got this like deep bellowing voice, and she is like uncharacteristically jolly. Not Maybe not uncharacteristic, unusually jolly for how Greek women were portrayed as very like feminine and demure. And she is like almost like one of the guys. Make a history check if you want to know who she is. 14. 19. 23. Critical failure. So Annie and Alexander, you recognize this uh, woman as Palaestra. And Palaestra is considered like one of the greatest pugilists or fist fighters from the Greek world when she was alive. And it is also known that like wrestling tournaments were obviously a very big part of Greek culture and gymnasiums were a very big part of Greek culture. Uh, you understand that uh, wrestling gyms and gymnasia were essentially called Palaestra after this woman. Now uh, onto the last person you find see what everybody is cheering for. You see the fourth member of the Olympiad. She is a fairly short, small-statured woman, and Alexander, um, I'm going to give you advantage on this for finding out who she is, because I, I think only you would recognize somebody who looks like this from your travels, as this is a woman who is clearly not from Greece. She is from someplace as far as India. She has dark brown skin and long, shiny black hair woven into a very long, tight braid behind her. And her clothes are very different from everybody else's. She wears this red and gold silk garb that also turns into like a veil that goes over her head a little bit and can loosely wrap around her. You see that the other three members of the Olympiad are cheering her on. She is cracking her knuckles. 
she's flexing a little bit, and then she holds her hand out in front of the giant, shadowy great axe in front of her, and she says, Labrys, the Earth Splitter, answer my call! And the shadowy great axe turns into a massive great axe of pure diamond in front of you. And it floats gently over to her. And even with her very small frame, she holds the axe effortlessly. And then she it's almost like swinging a piece of paper for her. Like, it's so light. She swings it and everybody else in her Olympia just hops back and goes, whoa! And then they all kind of laugh nervously. Uh, like, oh my god, we might have just died before this thing even started. And then that fierce-ass great axe effortlessly rests on her shoulder as she cocks it up there with her elbow. So make a history check. And again, Alexander with advantage. 18. 20 from me. 14 for Annie. 19. So everybody who got an 18 or better recognizes this uh, young woman as Pandey. And she is known as the only daughter of Heracles. So Heracles obviously had many, many children, but she is known as the only daughter of Heracles. Kind of an unknown mother, uh, you know, some Indian woman, and, you know, that was obviously not cared about a whole lot by the ancient Greeks. But her father was Heracles, and because she was the only daughter of Heracles, she is recognized as one of his absolute favorite children. And so in life, she was given command of an entire army in India and, an, and essentially rule over a kingdom that she ran with all women. And as you kind of recall these facts about her, she builds in confidence as she swings the axe a few more times. And she says, I am Pande, the only daughter of Heracles. I once commanded in life an army of 3,500 elephants. And in death, I will make sure I command just as many souls. And everybody just whoops and claps and loses it over this. And by everybody, I mean the three people in her Olympia. <laughs> uh, but they are so stoked. Uh, what do you guys do? Do you guys, like, cheer along? Do you kind of just, like, scope out the competition? What's going on? Annie's going to start clapping along. She's just really excited. Rolf is going to uh, give a golf clap, but a very genuine golf clap, and go, Oh my, that's very, um, very ambitious of you. And Rete is going to just kind of laugh quietly. like. <laughs> okay, so um, Ajax the Lesser is going to look at you, Arete, almost as if you like spilled a drink on him at the bar. What are you laughing at? You want to go, dude? You want to go? Oh, I've seen this look before. No, no, sir. This is just Arete. Hello, Arete. This is, uh, I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Ajax the Lesser. Big fan <laughs> just, of uh, Ajax Long Island fine, Ice right? Teas. It's just Ajax, okay? Oh, uh, sorry, Ajax. Can't say I'm familiar, but lesser seems like a fine title in my mind. Huh. Say that again, punk, and he's gonna grab you by your collar. You can allow this to happen, or we can kind of roll it as like a grapple check if you want to like evade that in some way. I'd like to try to evade it. 24. Oh, wow. Okay. He gets a 17, which he's, like, very confident in. So he swipes at you and describe, like, how you evade this. I take two steps back and then kind of just slide to the right and go, brute strength is not going to be enough, dude. <laughs> I think brute strength is going to be enough if I ever got to crush your skull between my fingers. Um, a Ajax? Ajax the Lesser? I have a question. It's just Ajax, okay? Ajax the Lesser? Um, my question is, um, so is the the middle name? And is Lesser the, the last name? 
Or how do you... Is it all together? Is it Ajax the Lesser? Like, uh, Thaliser? Oh, Thaliser. You can see him getting, like, more and more frustrated with this. Palestra, the very tall monk, lays a very confident hand on his shoulder and says, Don't sweat it, man. They just don't know you yet. Listen, he's a really nice guy, I promise. He's just he's just really amped today, all right? Let's just, you know, all get out there and try our best. What do you say? And then she, like, holds out a fist for you guys to, like, fist bump. Rolf is a little confused and puts, like, a hand on the fist and, like, shakes it. <laughs> all right. She, she is down for that. She loves that. I think Arete will tentatively kind of hold out his fist and just press it against the olive branch fist, but, like, not in, like, any sort of, like, friendly manner, just kind of, like, holding it there <laughs> and then removing it. Nice. And Sorry, Alexander, what do you do? I offer my forearms to... Sh- Actually, that was the Romans, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, I just offer out my hand to shake. I was going to do, like, the grab the forearm handshake, but I think that's more of a Roman thing, so I'm just going to do a regular handshake. Well, whatever things you try to do with her, she readily accepts. She is just so pleased that people have accepted this olive branch. And um, anyone who makes contact with her fist, you don't even need to make a check for this. You just feel like immense power like emanating from these fists. Like this is a woman, like her thing is punching and kicking things. But honestly, you don't even feel like any sense of danger. You feel like almost at ease around her. She's got this big glowing smile and these like crow's feet that look like she's just beaming at you guys. She goes, another chance at life. Can you guys even imagine? I believe an alliance would be beneficial should we meet on the field. I'd love that. You know, I've heard so many stories about Lord Zagreus trying to make his way out of this thing, and it sounds really rough. To be honest, I'm a little nervous. And her big expressive features kind of like fall like downward a little bit. And she seems like so emotive that like you almost feel sad when she says this. But listen, we've all got our reasons, right? So... Yeah, I think we should totally help each other out there. What do you say? Yes, I also agree. I, that, that's what I say. I, I say that I agree to answer your question. Ajax the Lesser huffs and rolls his eyes as he pulls away from Palestra's hand on his shoulder, and he pulls out a flask and chugs it off in a corner. Meanwhile, Adonis and Panday are basically both staring at you. They're both kind of short, right? So they're kind of both short and small-statured next to, you know, towering Palestra. And they're standing on opposite sides of her looking at you, like, wide-eyed uh, and, like, very curious. Hello, little ones. Uh, uh, <laughs> Rolf, you know, you can't go around just calling people little. Oh, I, no, I, I think it's cute. Rolf, you know how some people don't like being called little and cute. You're right, Annie, I'm sorry. Um, I'm still being house-trained. Um, I, I apologize. Hello, um... Average heighted people. Rolf, you're not helping. Annie, please help me out here. I'm doing my best. Hi, I'm Annie. This is Rolf. He's very tall. Forgive him. <laughs> Adonis, the red-haired ranger, kind of stammers. Uh, um, hello. Um, it's nice to meet you. And then he seems to scratch some kind of like unconscious like itch at his nose and sniffs as if he's a little sickly. <laughs> And then Panday, who is wielding this massive diamond great axe, says, So, you're one of the other Olympiads. Who are you? Well, well this is Annie. I'm Annie. <laughs> I'm Annie. This is Rolf, again. Hello, he's I'm Rolf. Very tall. Um, I didn't ask for your names. One. I said, 
who are you? For example, I am a queen of a kingdom who commanded 3,500 elephants in life. I am the only daughter of Heracles. Oh. So who are you, really? Um, well, I'm, I'm Annie. I, I play the viol. I, um, I, I, I normally work with Orpheus. Um, Rolf works at the bar as the bartender. Well, for a moment, it's not all there is to me. I consider myself a student of life. I am uh, also the only son of um, Harold and, and Mary. And the, uh, the, well, oh, we have uh, our friend over, if, if I may. And I lean into Alexander. May I? Uh, you may. Our friend, Alexander the Great. And he bows down all the way to the floor. <laughs> and let's not forget the quiet one. Well, I don't know if you, uh, you, you know how he feels about it. I'll introduce myself, thanks. I was abandoned on a hillside by my birth parents. And that's all you need to know, Miss Leader of Millions of Armies, or whatever the hell it is you do. I think it was 3,500, I think. Elephants. This is Panday. Panday. Say it with me. Pan. Day. Panday. So as you're all giving your introductions, Panday, even with her small stature, she seems to look at you like completely level. Like she seems to somehow be able to look down her nose at you, even though she's probably shorter than many of you. And so Annie, when you're kind of explaining like, oh, I play the viol or whatever, she huffs a little bit through her nose. Like, okay, she plays the viol. I'm carrying a giant diamond great axe. But then when you say I, I used to train under Orpheus, like she can't even hide that. Like her eyes go wide and she is very impressed by that. Roll. She is not really impressed by a lot that you have to say, but, you know, when you say that you're a student of life, you know, she nods, like, of course, like, you know, everybody should be a student of life. Like, that is something that she has heard and believes in very much. When she hears Alexander the Great, and then, you know, you kind of genuflect Rolf, her eyebrow kind of cocks and she looks at Alexander the Great, like, that's Alexander the Great. Like, what's he doing down here if he's so great? And Arate, when you say you were abandoned on a hilltop, she seems like sympathetic, but like as if like a, I don't know what to say to that. So I'm going to pretend I didn't hear it type of thing. So she says, very well. So have any of you mastered the infernal arms? And if you want, you can roll to see what those are if you don't know what those are. Sure, what would we roll? History or religion, whichever you're better at. That's an 11 for Rolf. 10 for Arete. 23 for Annie. 17 for Alexander. The DC for this was very low. The DC was a 10. And the, the reason it's so low is because everybody has heard about Lord Zagreus wielding the Infernal Arms to try to escape the Underworld. So what you understand about the Infernal Arms is that these were essentially legendary weapons from throughout history. And when I say history, I don't just mean the past. I mean also the present and the future. And I don't even necessarily mean real people. They could also be completely fictional people, just like ideas of people that were so powerful that they became infused into the story of the weapon themselves. Hmm. And you understand that there are many different types of infernal arms. So on these pedestals around you, you see these dark shadows of them. And there are people who, by some means or another, and you can certainly ask to find out how, can become attuned to these infernal arms and wield them. And when they do, they develop special abilities that can be either unique to them or actually reflect an aspect of a famous person, past, present, or future, who once wielded them. 
So that is what you know when she says, so have any of you come to wield the infernal arms? No. No. I, I, I take it that uh, diamond axe is uh, one, yes? Oh, you mean Labrys, the earth splitter? And then she lets her arm drop and the diamond great axe just goes... <laughs> and like, if it was possible to guillotine the ground, that's what looks like is happening right now. Like, it just goes cleanly like a solid foot into the ground with like no space on either side of the axe like just a straight slice oh my well hello labrus and i pet it when you pet it uh <laughs> you uh make a charisma saving throw okay <laughs> i'm charismatic on paper at least that's a 17 oh, okay that's very good when you pet it you feel like a powerful repelling force from it, like only somebody who is destined to wield an infernal arm or has proven themselves worthy of it or attained it in some means can do this. It doesn't like burn you, like you don't catch yeah. on fire or anything, but you feel like you feel like you're doing something wrong. Not wrong as in like you're messing it up, but wrong as in like a you're committing some kind of like blasphemy of sorts. She eyes you as you do this, and she actually seems impressed that like nothing bad happens to you. <laughs> well, it does not <laughs> seem Labrus likes me very much. Uh, how? 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 That is my question for you. <laughs> On the contrary, it seems Labrus has allowed you to live. I am impressed. Oh, well, thank you, Labrus. <laughs> so, how does one get acquainted with these infernal arms that you're talking about? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I think, actually, I would like to say that I earned it through some tremendous feat, but the truth is the answer came to me in a dream. I went to sleep once after a very, very hard day of training, and a voice spoke to me in my head, and it spoke to me the words I needed to speak in front of the infernal arm, and I thought, well, it's just a dream, what could it possibly mean? But then I went in front of Labrys, and I spoke the words, and it materialized right in front of me. Huh. Unfortunately, I don't dream. I just have nightmares. She again kind of just like stares at you unblinkingly for a little bit and then after about 30 solid seconds blinks once as if to say like that is like all she can respond to that. The time has nearly come for the portal to open. A god floats into the courtyard and hovers by the portal. His slate gray skin is only slightly darker than his pale silver hair bouncing in those oh-so-very Greek curls. Hello, hello, good afternoon! At least, I think it's afternoon. I'm not too sure. Anyway, I'm so excited to send you off on your escape attempt today. When you die, you'll have to tell me all about it. It's been so long since I've had anyone share a good how-I-died story. Last time, I think, was... Oh, yeah, Prince Zagreus. Boy, I sure miss him. Anyone seen him around lately? A dark, cloaked figure clears his throat admonishingly from a corner. You could swear he wasn't there a moment ago. Ah, uh, never mind. Uh, that's hardly your business. Today, we're here to talk about how you're gonna die. So exciting. <laughs> Is everybody ready? All right, then... On your marks, get set. And with this, you see that he is using a quill that is somehow able to scribe into stone. And he scribes something into a tablet, and then the tablet and the quill fly away from him in a spiraling hurry. Escape! And then the portal turns from this smoky gray to this bright pink. And the moment this happens... The other Olympiad, which has been standing directly in front of the portal the entire time, they, like, just fall immediately into it. Like, you don't even get glimpses of their faces. The Olympiad that you were speaking with drop 
all pretense of speaking with you, any niceties with you, even Palliestra, who like seemed very genuinely to enjoy speaking with you, they all bolt for that portal and run straight into it one after the other. What do you do? Annie would like to grab everyone's hand. And she's like, come on, let's go! And she pulls them all along towards the portal. As we're like falling through the portal, I think Rolf is just saying, well, that was terribly rude. What can you expect from a bunch of stuck-up pricks? As you're all doing this and falling into the portal, you see the silver-haired god very chipperly waving at you, going, bye-bye, bye-bye, good luck, all right. Happy dying! <laughs> if you are interested, you are welcome to make a history check, a very easy history check, extremely easy history check, with advantage to know who this is. 17! 7! 13! 16. Anybody who got more than a five knows that this is Hypnos, and he is the personification of sleep. And the reason everybody knows this is because his voice is so annoying and resonant that you can hear it throughout <laughs> the House of Hades, whether it is your shift or not. And what he delights in most of all is welcoming souls to the underworld. His job is theoretically to put them at ease and, you know, get them ready to stand before Lord Hades to have their souls be, you know, judged and, you know, administered. You also know anybody who rolled a 10 or higher knows that he's lately been entrusted with increasing responsibilities, which he has struggled to take on for a long time, but has increasingly become more proud of being able to take on. And this was just one new responsibility that he has taken on, which is kind of proctoring the escape attempt, or at least welcoming you to, you know, hop in and make your first attempt. All that to say, you hop into the pink smoke and your bodies vanish as you begin your very first escape attempt. Now, here's what happens. Rogue Runners, Volume 1, In the Blood, stars our players Nicholas Benetados as Alexander the Great, Amanda Facosta as Anastasia Pentazis, Giancarlo Herrera as Rolf Yannick, and Michael Pisani as Arete Lascaris. Dungeon mastering and NPC voices are by me, Tozaman. Cover art by Chandler Candela. Sound design and editing by Giancarlo Herrera. Title music by Sage GC, with vocals by Jessica Dahlgren and Sage GC. Character theme music by Giorgio Volpe. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. If you liked what you heard, we hope you'll consider helping us make future tabletop parodies of your favorite stories. You can support us at Patreon on patreon.com slash roguerunradio. Patrons get access to our community Discord channel, as well as our behind-the-scenes chat cast Out of the Blood, where we talk about everything on our minds after the episode. There are free ways to support the show, too. We hope you'll leave us a glowing review on your listening app of choice, as well as spread the good word about us on Twitter and Instagram, where you can follow us at roguerunradio. We love hearing from you, so hit us up there or email us at rr at whisperforge.org. We're very proud to be in the Whisperforge Collective and hope you'll check out our other shows. We think you'll love The Far Meridian, a gorgeous and heartfelt audio drama about places unknown and memories resurfaced. Are you ready for your next run? Then you can listen to our next episode right now. It's already out. Till next time, sinners, I'll see you in hell. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.